Okay, we started a series last week, said, Does God Really Say? And, um, see, once you let people start talking to each other, they won't shut up. It's always the same, isn't it? They're Irish. What can I tell you? Um, we started this series, Does God Really Say? And we started also with the idea that at the end, I would leave five or ten minutes for anybody who had any questions. Um, Sergey was the only brave soul in the place. And then as I was walking out the door, I had two people go, I was going to ask you, but I didn't, because everyone would be looking at me. So what I'm going to say to you today is, if you have a question, say it. I might know the answer, but sure, look at what's the harm in asking. Um, I'll try and leave five minutes. We're already a few behind. But um, today I want to talk about fear. That's the reason I showed that song earlier on. And scripture is full and full and full. The Bible is full of different verses and scriptures telling us not to be afraid. I have read all these quotes that says there's 365, do not be afraid in the Bible, one for every day of the year. I haven't found them all, I have to tell you. I think somebody made that up because it really sounds nice. But whether they did or not, I have 107 here that I found. All of them telling us not to be afraid. But yet I know fear is an important part of our life. And the fear of the Lord, it says in Scripture and Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. So there is a fear we should have, and then I think there's a fear we shouldn't have. Does that make sense? And I think that the bottom line in the, that, that, that I've come to realize is, I either live in the fear of the Lord or I live in the fear of the world. I either live my life to serve and worship God, or I live my life to serve and worship something else. And what I noticed is that, and, and this may seem or look really weird, but when I'm living life to try and... And when I say the word fear the Lord, let me, let me clarify that just for a sec before I go any further. When I think of fear in a human sense, I think of being afraid. That doesn't sound like it makes much sense. But I think of being terrified. I think of feeling upset. I think of being, oh my God, what's going to happen? How is this going to work out? It's going to be awful on me. Does that make sense? When I think of the fear of the Lord, that's not the kind of fear I think of. I think I probably should have a bit of that because if I, if I get it wrong with him, he's kind of got a lot more power to do things to me than most ordinary people have. Um, anywhere I see anybody in the Bible meeting an angel, and just an angel, never mind God, they all fall flat on their face and think they're going to die. So there must be something scary about that too. I don't think it's just that we're supposed to, there is a, a whole thing there saying, oh, the fear of the Lord is just that you have to respect him and obey him and all that stuff. I think there's something to be scared of. God's big and powerful. And like, I want to be on the right side of him. Being honest with you. And it's just not a fear mongering and you need to be with Jesus because you're afraid. But there is a reality of God is the ultimate creator. And if I stood, if, if I have the arrogance as a human being to think I can just stand in his presence, and be great. I think there's something wrong with the way I'm thinking about that. I think there is a certain degree of that I should have a fear of God. Now, not the fear that was put into me when I was a child. Because that was just madness. That was like there was no approaching God. There was no, God was just angry and he was going to burn me up and, and all that stuff. That's not the kind of stuff I'm talking about. But I'm talking about having that respect. Having that. I had like... I would consider our kids probably had a healthy fear of us when they were growing up. We loved them, we cared for them, we did all the things. But if they got on the wrong side of us, they had a healthy fear of us. Is that fair enough? Yeah? Um, but then there's that fear that we have 
of, of the world. We have a fear of people. We have a fear of ourselves. We have a fear of what people think of us. We have a fear of what, if we try something and it doesn't work out, we have all of these different fears. And, and I was thinking um, this morning, actually, just down there when we were praying, I just got this picture in my head, and, and it may look mad, but I'm just going to do something to show you something. I think when I'm living in the fear of the Lord, it's like wearing this hoodie. It fits. It's going the right way. It's useful. It's protecting me. It's keeping me a little bit warm because I got chilly in here earlier on, okay? If it starts raining, I can put the hood up. If it's not caught in the guitar strap. And, uh, and it keeps me a little bit dry. And it's just, it's a useful thing and it's working the right way. But if I'm living in the fear of people, I think it's probably a little bit more like this. It's like I'm weird in fear this way. Which looks stupid, doesn't it? I can't even zip it up right. Okay, so it's not very useful. Okay, I'm going to put the hood up now. Right, now I might look a lot better. Okay. But it's going to be kind of dangerous. If I try walking around up here, I'm going to fall flat on my face. It's not good. But you know what? Fear does that to us. It blinds us. Because I can be here with that hood up. Honest to God, this is better. I can't see nothing through that. So I could be walking into the wall. I could be missing out on people around me who are going to help me. I could be missing out on a ton of stuff because fear is blinding me. And you know what? We weren't born afraid. I was not born afraid. I learned how to be afraid. You learned how to be afraid. Psychology will teach us that when we have a fear of failure, it's because we were told when we were young that we can't do stuff. No, you can't do that. Now, we usually do that as parents to kids because we don't want them jumping off the roof of the house and killing themselves. And they go, I'm going to jump, and you go, no, you can't. What we should be saying is, yes, you can, but you're going to break your legs. Because the more we get told, no, we can't, we begin to internalize that voice. So then we hear ourselves saying, no, we can't. No, I can't. No, I can't. So then, therefore, I don't try. Because I will fail. And it stops me moving forward. Or we have a fear of rejection. We have a fear people won't accept us. They won't love us. We have a fear that we're not good enough. We have a fear that we're not as good as Mary down the road or whoever it may be. And the reality of it is that also came from home. This is like bash the parents night. Okay? I was, I'm a parent, so I'm bashing me too. The reality of it is we put that stuff into our kids when we give them conditional love. And we say, I love you, but if you behave like that, you're not my friend. Go away. I don't want to, I don't want to be around you. We learn that to be loved and to be accepted, we have to behave a certain way. So we behave in a way we think we're going to be accepted. And that's great as long as we're with everybody who's going to accept us for behaving the same way. But you start hanging around with one gang of people and you behave one way to be accepted by them. You hang around with another gang of people and you behave a different way for them. And then maybe a different crowd altogether. And then you end up being one of these, um, we call them people pleasers, who's doing everything to stay in with everybody. And that's... Even okay, although it's exhausting, until you meet two of them groups together. Now that becomes a pain. Because which person am I going to be? Which person do I pretend to be? And which of these groups is most important to me? Because that's the end choice we make. Whichever group is most important to me, that's the one I make the choice for to stay with. And I behave in that way. And it will cripple us on the inside. 
and all through the scriptures from Genesis right through to Revelation. And I mean, honest God, about 107 different scriptures listed here. I had seriously thought today I wasn't going to preach. I was just going to read all this out to you. Because the word of God is powerful. It doesn't need me interpreting it. It's powerful. But I'm going to skip through the first load of books to get to Psalms. Just a couple of our Psalms. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley in another um, version it says the valley of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Okay? Psalm 118. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? If we said nothing else today, if you walked over here and honest to God, you could take that and I could take that as being the reality of life and I lived out of that. What can mere mortals do to me? What difference will that make in your life? How many decisions have you made this week alone to keep other people happy? How many decisions have you made this week alone that went against your own value system or your own whatever to try and fit in with someone else? How many decisions have you made this week alone because you're afraid of failing and what people will think of you? Just this week. But if we lived there, I'd be like, I don't give a rip about them. God's with me. What the hell? Who cares what they think? Who cares whether it works out or not? If you try it because you think God told you to do it, you can't fail. Even if it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out, you'll get something out of it. If only experience to go, well, I'm not doing that again. But we'll get something. But we'll let fear stop us. Isaiah 26 says, you'll keep them in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. If we keep our head full of God, then we don't get full of the fear. 43, Isaiah 43, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, he who formed you, this is God speaking, I'm the one who made you, I'm the one who formed you. Do not fear because I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. God's called your name. Jesus has called your name before the throne in heaven. I have redeemed him. I have redeemed her. Don't be afraid. Pages, pages. Marks 5. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Mark 6.50. Because they all seen him, this was out on the, on, the, on the water, I think, and they were terrified, he immediately said to them, take courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Take courage. You can't take courage if you don't believe it's there. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is just being afraid and sticking it out. And doing it anyway. There's loads of people who have made a fortune writing books saying, feel the fear and do it anyway. Susan Jeffers, Joyce Myers, and a few others along with them. Secular and Christian. All realizing the value of the reality that if we just do it, just because we're afraid doesn't mean we can't do something. Just because I'm afraid of what someone thinks of me doesn't mean I can't tell them the truth. Just because I'm afraid of what the boss thinks of me doesn't mean I can't say what I think. Just because I'm afraid of what the neighbors think of me doesn't mean I can't go to church or I can't do this or I can't do that. In Luke, there's, there's tons of them. Um, excuse me. The angel said to Mary, don't be afraid. This, I, I thought this was interesting. Luke one thirty says, Sorry, 1.13. But the angel said. 1.30. But the angel said. 2.10. But the angel said. All they said was, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
Three different things. Within one chapter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's parents, they said, they, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Luke 12, 4, I tell you, my friends, this is Jesus speaking, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can't do anything else. Luke 12, the very hairs on the head, on your head are numbered. Therefore, don't be afraid, you're worth more than many sparrows. John 14, peace I live with you, my peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives you. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. 1 John, there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears isn't made perfect in love. If I'm living in fear, I'm not living in love. I'm not living in love. I'm not living in God's will for me life. Now, does that mean that you should feel condemned and battered because you're afraid of something? No. God's not going to be against you because you might be afraid. God's not going to be wanting to hurt you or punish you because you're afraid of your neighbors or you're afraid of your ma, you're afraid of whoever. But what that living in that fear is doing is robbing you of having the life that God wants you to have. You're walking around with the hoodie over your face. You're living a life, and you may be warm, but you're walking into walls. You're doing stuff that's damaging you. You're, you're selling yourself short. And God is kind of going, don't. Please, don't. At least a hundred and something times in, in, in the scriptures, he said, please, don't. Don't be afraid. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Trust in God is wisdom. Putting your hand in his hand and walking his way is wisdom. But living your life for the fear of what this world and other people think of you is going to rob you. Absolutely rob you. I want to read that. It's gone. Okay. I was looking for kind of funny quotes. I thought this one was a good one. So I'll give you this one and then we go to questions and answers. And if no one has any questions, we'll have a quick cup of tea early. And that's okay. One summer night, a severe thunderstorm. There was, during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking up her small son into bed. She was just about to turn the light off when he asked in a really scary voice, he said, Ma'am, will you stay with me tonight? And she smiled at him kind of and gave him that warm, reassuring hug and said, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. And the long silence followed. And at last it was broken by a little shaky voice going, the big sissy. (laughs) (laughs) She had to keep daddy from being afraid. Yeah? Okay. So, I'm going to stop for 30 seconds and give you a chance. Anyone got any questions? Comments? Thoughts? I know this is probably weird, but it is. It is what it is, right? This is where I think we should be for the next couple of weeks. If you have, that's great. If you haven't, say, okay, you're dying to say something. I can see the face yet. <laughs> I knew. Okay, so you can have fear of what you think about. I can have fear about what I think 
that I can have fear because of what I'm thinking, say, John is thinking about me. If, if I step down here, John is going to go, oh, he's something. It, I'm thinking what he's thinking. So then I get afraid. So then I don't step down because I let that fear stop me. So maybe I want to leave a job and start a new job or start a new career or start a new business or leave the country and start a... Or maybe I want to get married. Maybe I want to ask somebody out on a date. Who never asked someone out on a date because they were afraid? I didn't ask loads of girls out because I was afraid. Because I was afraid she was going to say no. So I never even gave her the chance to say no. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I haven't told loads of people about Jesus because I've been afraid. That's the truth. I've been afraid of what they think of me. I've been afraid of them looking at me going, you big tick, you. get out of here. And, I've, and I've, I have never told anyone about Jesus without having fear. Never. I've always been afraid. But sometimes I've been able to step through that fear and do it anyway. How? Just by doing it, there's no, there's no magic bullet. There is no, oh, just take this pill and you won't be afraid anymore. It doesn't happen that way. Fear is something that we need to grow into. Being, fear is usually created by circumstances or people that we feel are outside of where we're comfortable. And the only way to change that is to stretch ourselves until we become comfortable with them. So if you're afraid of... If we were having a conversation earlier. Last week when we were doing the worship, there was a spider doing a little jig on the microphone stand, up and down, okay? And then I closed my eyes and we were singing, and then I opened my eyes again, and he was doing a jig on my arm. And I was trying to play the piano, or the guitar, piano. I was trying to play the guitar, and all I could see was this spider going up and down my arm. I was going, how can I stop the worship sound to get the thing? In my head, I was even going, if I stop playing, they might keep singing. I can kill the spider. And then, right? Now, I'm not terribly afraid of spiders. Trisha said if she'd have seen it, she'd have ran. Okay. Which would not have been good because she was singing. So, but like, I mean, if, so even to be afraid of spiders, the only thing you can do is go, that spider is there, I'm afraid of it, but I'm not running away because of a spider. You have to make a decision to do, to do it. There's times when I sit with people and, and you have to make a decision. Sometimes you're going to have an opportunity. Someone's going to be sharing something with you and someone's going to say, like, I'm really in a bad place. You may have this thought come into your head. I could pray for you now. The thought will be in your head, but it's not going to come out of your mouth because you're afraid of what they're going to think. Stephen has a question. I go home now. This is going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. How would I explain that to them? Yeah, that's next week's answer. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I, think, I think for me, that, do, do you know that scripture that says, um, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is, is stayed upon him? Okay, and, and like I suppose, because my background, because of the whole counseling thing in my head, I'm very much aware of what I fill my mind with. I live out. It affects my body. It's like when I'm worrying. I can't sleep because I'm worrying. 
and then my stomach is upset and all that. And, and I know we go into that fight and flighting, okay? So when I'm trying to deal with somebody who maybe doesn't know the Lord or, or work with somebody who doesn't or has only just been introduced to the Lord, I'd be very much like, here's the reality of it. Um, you're going to fill your mind with something. So if you can fill your mind... For me, for, well with my soul means, for me, emotionally I feel calm. I don't feel sick but worry. I don't feel scared. I don't feel terrified. I don't feel anxious. All of them things. And the scriptures refer back to them and back to them and back to them. That the way to deal with them is to fill your head with God's word and the promises of God. So everywhere through the scriptures, God is going, don't be afraid, trust me, don't be afraid, trust me. In case you didn't hear me the first 200 times, you tick, don't be afraid, trust me. Okay? So it's like, when I, I don't call people ticks when I'm talking to them, I'm talking about me, okay? But when, when I, I'm, I'm talking to someone, I would be going, what's your head full of? If your head is full of the problems and the worries and the concerns, then yes, you are not going to be able to sit there and say, it's well with myself. Okay, am I going to pretend I don't have them problems? No, that's there's a word for that. I think it's sociopath or something. It's mad. Anyway, right? We just call it mad. That's called madness and denial and delusion. All right. I have problems. We all have problems. I'm sure. Maybe some of us have perfect lives, but most of us in this room have problems. All right. But God's big enough to deal with them problems. We need to tell God our problems, but somehow we, I need to tell me my God is bigger than them problems. Like I'm facing some serious enough stuff over the next couple of months. And as people I love and care about are facing some really serious stuff. And that's probably harder even because it's out of my control. But the only thing I can do with that is keep going back to God and go, he's bigger than all of that. So one, I think I need... If I'm trying to show somebody, I'll try and show them how big God actually is and how amazing and how powerful and how intimate as well. And then what they need to do is focus more on that, not go into denial and pretend they don't have problems because that will just get worse. But go to God and let him speak to you about how to deal with them problems and how to step through that fear and how to... Um, take control of your own life because he's given us the power to do that. And we will live. And I, like, I love that. I never saw the video for that song on yesterday. Actually, I'll be honest, I never even heard the song on yesterday. And I have it on the computer looking for stuff for today. And Anne starts singing it behind me. I go, how do you even know that song? She said, I listen to the spirit radio. And I go, must listen to that more. But anyway, it's like the, 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 the things in it, the guy is trying to kill himself in the car because he's hearing the fear. He's not hearing the promise. He's hearing the problem. And the problem's not going to go away. If I got diagnosed with cancer tomorrow, I'm still going to be diagnosed with cancer. But I have a choice whether I fill my head with the fear of that, or I fill my head with the promise of God. Does that answer your question? Yeah? So to say it's well with my soul, I need to fill my head with the promises of God. And the scripture tells me my life will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And it talks about how, the Bible talks about how we can wash ourselves out with the word of God. So, I, I, do you know how you do it? The two hours a night that you've been putting into Coronation Street, um, EastEnders, Emmerdale Farm, and Fair City, who'd ever watch Fair City? But that two hours a night, okay, 
That's who our neighbours, never my neighbours and the other share from Australia as well, I can't think of their name. But if you just took even a half of that time and filled your head up with what God is saying to you, I wonder what difference that could make. Because all of them programmes, and actually most of the telly, even the news now, all it does is try and create fear. It creates negativity, depression and fear. Watch Sky News. It thrives on fear. It's like, oh my God, and then they put a ticker tape growing across, be, be afraid, be very afraid, be very, very, very afraid. And you're like, and then you're wondering why, why people are going around in this high state of anxiety. Everything coming at us is telling us you should be afraid. Everything. So it's like, you can either listen to all that stuff and live in it, or you can decide, you know what, we have the choice to opt out. We can opt into kingdom living. We have a choice. But that choice is yours. And mine. I have that choice. I wake up in the middle of the night, the same as everybody else, with the stuff bombarding my head. I don't get some free pass. I still have to make that choice. Am I going to let my head go off on that one? Or am I going to stick it on what I know God has said? And that's a battle sometimes. But it's worth fighting because you win. When you win, you get the peace. Is that fair enough? I better stop talking. Let's pray for a sec. Father, I thank you for... Um, I'm sorry. I, I would say, Cora, I live in peace 90% of my life. 99.5% of my life. All right? I didn't always live there. There's people in this room who know me 30 years. They know the madness that I was in. And they know the stuff that went through my head. And they know the battles I've had. Not all of them, but a lot of them. But now, I would say to you, yeah, I, I would believe I live in a much more permanent state of peace than I did. But that has been a practice this, this, this is, there's a the word in the Bible called abide, abiding in God, which means living in God, staying close to God. I live in peace in my marriage more than 90% of the time because I have learned to abide with Anne. I've learned to live with her. She's learned to live with me. That's taken 30 years of learning, 37 years actually, of learning to live together. Does that make sense? I have learned to live with God. I've learned to hear his voice. The biggest challenge has been learning to obey his voice and do what he says and not do what I want. That's been the biggest challenge. That's when I lose my peace, when I go off and do my own thing. I, I don't seek peace now. What I do now is seek to keep it, to maintain it. And the way I maintain it is by not doing what I shouldn't be doing the bowel stuff and the, and the nasty stuff and the selfish stuff and the, and the just, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what keeps the peace. So I'm not talking about just some cognitive placebo effect that we get from doing this. I am talking about it literally. Scripture talks about transform your life by the renewing of your mind. That is my whole life has been totally transformed. Does that answer that for you? Cool. They may not be the answers you just want, but it's the only answer I have. So all I can do is give you what I've got. Are you? Okay, sorry. I didn't know if you were putting a bid in there in an auction or just having a scratch. Anyway, okay. Number 27, souls. Okay. Anyway, Father, thank you for today and this opportunity just to meet together. Um, 
Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your promises that we don't have to be afraid. Thank you for your spirit that comes and lives in us and with us. Thank you for your peace that passes all understanding, that just doesn't make sense in the midst of problems that we can lie down and rest in peace. Lord, I pray for each person in this room that, that as they go out of this place today, as they go back into the real world, as, as we all go back into that real world and we all try and live in that real world, Lord, that we would experience your peace. That when the things come to try and wreck our heads, to, that the things come to try and scare us into doing or being something that we're not created to be, that your peace would guide us. Father, I pray you're anointing on every single person in here to live in your presence. I pray the power of your Holy Spirit would just infuse our lives. That you would give us courage to be who we were meant to be. That those words that you spoke to Joshua, Lord, take courage. Don't be afraid. For I will never leave you or forsake you that you would never, ever let someone in here think that you have abandoned them. You would never let them go that far, Lord. But they would always know that you are with them. Lord, I pray your peace on your people. I pray your blessing on them. I pray that your face would shine on them. And I pray this week that you would be with them every single day. And that they would know the grace of our Lord and Father of your amazing Son, Jesus, and of your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in your name and for your glory.